As we sit in the diner, Caitlin Rhodes drinks coffee like it is the antidote to a deadly poison, which in a way I suppose it is. So who are you, Cross? And what's with the sword? Of course, Ms. Rhodes. Detective? Detective Caitlin Rhodes, not Ms. Ah, as you wish. Sorry. I'm a little on edge after nearly being murdered by some weirdo cultist. I had attempted to explain to Rhodes the situation on the drive over, but the good detective refused to listen until we got somewhere with coffee. I was handcuffed and put in the back seat anyway. I obliged to make the situation feel more safe, but the setup was not conducive to chat. So, Detective Rhodes, my name is Adrian Cross. I am a fallen angel from Heaven's police force. I was compelled to break God's law to do something I felt was right, so now I am here. The sword you witnessed me wielding against the, as you said, weirdo cultist, does not cut flesh. It can only damage souls, and only evil ones at that. Right. An angel. From heaven's... Okay, so I definitely saw that sword go through a guy without leaving a mark on him. And these folks seem to believe in ghosts or something. One of them, not one of the ones in the house we just met at, another one of them. He had a voicemail from a guy who mentioned a, uh, ghost detective? Ah, yes, a sometimes associate of mine. I've heard the name come up as well. I think we ought to get in touch. This case could probably use a little wisdom from Frank Ecto, Ghost Detective. So, ghosts and heaven are real? The afterlife and all that? The... Afterlife is a metaphor that humans use for an idea which is beyond your understanding. The specific language, heaven and hell and God, they would be different to someone of a different religious background. I am using them because they are what you will understand. The truth is a bit more complicated. Try me. Very well then. Humans have... Do you know the feeling inside? The sense that you are... Cogito ergo sum. I think, therefore I am? That feeling is not physical, but your entire world is physical. Your mind is but an illusion generated by the electricity of your body. Your nerves and your brain, once they shut off, are no longer generating that sense of self. But you, or a part of you, continues on as an idea. An idea in the minds of the other people who remember you. Heaven, hell, the afterlife, as many of you call it, that is sort of the way the universe remembers you. Now, I have had the unfortunate fate of being a sentient concept that has now been forced into a physical form, to live and to die as the humans do. But that is what I never expected before. This life, it is so beautiful. I have observed many humans who live unhappily or with great reserve because they expect some reward after this life is over. But that is what is so sad. This life is all that there is. If you went into what we are calling heaven and went looking for William Shakespeare, you would have little luck finding anyone who is familiar to you. 
you might find a writer named Will who takes great joy in bringing smiles to both kings and paupers, who has a favorite time of year and who prefers a certain variety of wine. But the idea of Shakespeare you learned of in school, the bard, as it were, died long ago. William Shakespeare now only exists in memory and has been made grander by it. Does any of this make sense? Kind of. I'm... no. I'm having trouble following, honestly. You win. It's too much for my feeble human mind. No, no, it's no bother at all. Please, do not feel foolish. This is simply the way of things. It cannot be changed. You are doing fine, all things considered. Yeah, thanks. Anyway, do you eat? Uh, huh? Eat. Food. Do you? I, of course. Why... Hey, don't give me that look. How am I supposed to know how angels work? This person is an odd sort of being. That was my initial impression, sitting there watching as Caitlin Rhodes devoured coffee and pie. Comfort food is a concept one can only understand after developing the emotions caused by a physical, chemical presence. In other words, I hadn't felt feelings until I had fallen, so I had not understood the pleasure of pie. I thought it might make my companion more comfortable to demonstrate some humanity, so I ordered a slice of pie for myself when the waiter returned. Waitress, I've still not got the hang of genders. Over pie, I related my findings on what had become our case. I was working, as investigative journalists are wont to do, on revealing a bit of dirty dealing in the local government, something called an ombudsman had a habit of misplacing their interns. I was on a stakeout one night when I got the scoop of a lifetime. Though it pained me to play bystander to suffering, I had to, briefly. I had to get them on camera first to keep this from ever happening again, then interfere, save a life. The video camera in the car was catching them in the act but a few zoom lens photos would seal the deal. It is important to remove doubt. There is no divine power here to sort the sinners from the saints. That's the last thing you'll see in this world. You bastard. You won't get away with this. That should do the trick. I got out of the car and began to head over. The photos would be enough to discredit the ombudsman, but I'd need the intern alive and willing to appear in court if there was any chance of getting a conviction. But I stopped myself. Sometimes I forgot. I am a photojournalist here, just an observer, not an officer of the law. This wasn't my place. I called 911 and drove home. Thanks in part to my photos and my tip, the intern beating local politician was arrested. I say in part because there was a bombshell in the story. The ombudsman had a basement full of evidence suggesting the half-dozen intern disappearances were murder, with our abusive advocate being the responsible party. But something about it didn't sit right with me. A convenient layer full of incriminating evidence, the supposed perpetrator's look of shock in the arrest photos. And who would commit serial murders without any apparent care paid towards avoiding suspicion? But the police would not ask these questions, not with strong evidence to convict a very distasteful person. Could some shadowy figure have picked the perfect patsy? I decided to find out. 
The night after the arrest, I waited for the crowd of police to thin. I would have to sneak in around back and take a look around on my own if I wanted to ensure the real criminal was caught. I pried the window open with a crowbar and climbed through, not really concerned about contaminating the crime scene. One benefit of my angelic origin? No fingerprints. Once inside, I searched around for an office or a desk somewhere that correspondence or paperwork might be kept. It is not hard. The police barely touched the first floor of the house. After all, the incriminating evidence was in the basement. It takes a few minutes of shuffling through papers to find it. A stamped envelope, nearby return address, torn open. Inside, a letter that was strongly worded, to say the least. Apparently, a murder victim's family filed a complaint against the police department. This did not sit so well with some in the city's occult underworld, specifically the Baalites. I knew about them, but generally they were hedonistic slackers, not the types who threaten government officials. It seems that this closed case, headed by a human called Ms. Caitlin Rhodes, was one the Baalites wanted to make disappear. It had been officially ruled a suicide, but the family's complaint could get the investigation reopened, which could implicate the Baalites. Well, that explains why you insisted on the Miz anyway. I didn't know that Eric's family had filed a complaint. If it's true that Lacey was a member of this cult, I suppose they could be implicated in her death. But I get the feeling there's more going on here. You'd be correct. I was just getting to that. Right after finding the complaint, I spotted a name I had not seen or heard in a long time. Not since I'd still had my wings in my badge. Frank Ecto. The Baalites, or at least the one who had written this letter, seemed convinced he was investigating, and wanted to make sure the ombudsman knew the name to avoid. Then, the thing I needed. If you want us to keep disappearing your abused interns, you'd better make sure this case isn't reopened. And honestly, that is it. I followed the return address to the house and rescued you. So what now? Do we get a Ouija board and conjure up this ghost detective of yours? We're not completely alone. I know of a psychic medium in the area who may be able to help us. Finish the coffee. I will pick up the check. We are going. Who is it? Ms. uh... Well, the door just says Shirley. We understand that you are a psychic medium. Depends on who's asking. We need to contact someone on the other side. A detective by the name of Fr Frank Ecto? Forget it. Me and Frankie don't work together no more. Please, there must be some way we can reach him. Go find a graveyard, light some candles, hold hands and chant. Far away from my door. Shirley, please. People are dying. If you cannot help us, at least tell us who can. All right. Frank used to partner up with a police detective a lot, back in the 70s. You'll have to do some hunting, though. Once his hard-knuckle paranormal investigating went public, he was forced out of the precinct, labeled a crazy. Not that it took much back in those days for a black cop to lose his job. I don't know his real name. But Frank said everybody knew him as Poltergeist Jones. 